HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Roberta's Pizza, robertaspizza.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. It's episode 150 of Arts and Seizures. Can you dig it? Liz, 150. Oh, and they said it wouldn't last. And uh, even though Judy McGuire is still being featured in our awesome theme music, she went on Rumspringer and never came back. Sitting in for her today is the entirely awesome proprietor of my favorite dessert speakeasy, Kimberly Weatherall. The only dessert speakeasy. <laughs> uh, I love your joint. I was glad we had finally made it by the other night. And, um, you know, it, it was just absolutely wonderful. It was like booze and dessert. What could well, be better? There really, there's not a whole lot. Bacon, maybe. Bacon, booze, and dessert. <laughs> I think this whole fried things and booze. Fried, boozy Things. I yes. think Delightful. it is really good, and uh, we're all here. It's it's raining cats and dogs today, and you know how I know? Because I just stepped in a poodle. Uh, oh, okay, not really, not really worthy. So let's. So I wanted to segue that into saying let's slip out of these uh, wet things and into a dry martini. Okay, which is a, a real round table uh, quip. Lots of quips today because we're going to be talking about the Algonquin Round Table and Dorothy Parker. Although I believe that uh, last bit is actually Robert Benchley. Although what were you saying, Kevin? In the future, everything will be attributed to Dorothy Parker. Parker. Yeah, that's what George S. Kaufman said. He said after he died, everything I ever said or wrote would be attributed to Dorothy Parker, and that's really happening. So uh, Kim, why do you introduce our awesome guest? Because we're gonna we're gonna be drinking rum. We're gonna be talking about the round table. This is gonna be the best 150th episode we've ever had. Absolutely, it's like a triple diamond, <laughs> right? The diamond is the 50th, or is it 75th? I'm actually oh, so it's right. either a double diamond or triple diamond. Regardless, it's a multi diamond episode. And congratulations, Mike. Well, thank you on all of this, and thank you so much for having me. It's uh, this is my second time in the studio now, and I love it here. Thank you. It's so good. Much. You're, you're climbing the ladder to success. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the Johnny, one broken rung at a time. It's kind of like, like the Johnny Carson. Show. 
show. You see, like, you moved over one seat, one gets left, you moved over. They don't do that on talk shows anymore, right? It's because, like, mm-hmm. someone leaves, the next yeah. person comes on. Where the old Johnny Carson show. Everybody hangs out okay? for else. I mean, uh, Bridget, you're very young. Maybe you don't remember the Johnny Carson show. But, um, but that's the way it was. So you'd have, like, these weird, oddball guests where you'd have, like, George Hamilton sitting next to Ted Nugent. Or, you know? And then Charo. <laughs> and Charo. And Char- always Charo. Always Charo. And McMahon, they'd all be sitting on the same couch. And why? Exactly. So today, our guests, um, we have with us Kevin Fitzpatrick, author of uh, Under My Host, which is a Dorothy Parker cocktail book, which is how I found him um, when uh, we were doing a food and drink reading series at Housing Works bookstore called Dish. Um, And his new book is The Algonquin Roundtable New York, which is is a historical guide uh, to all things roundtable and everything in addition to Dorothy Parker, because she obviously is maybe the, the face of the round table, but there are lots of members uh, sitting around. And, and, and a really fine New York history book, too, I might add. I mean, beyond the round table, I learned an awful lot of stuff reading that book. Well, it's really fun York, when you look at history from a singular point of view. If you look at, like, the book Salt or Cod, you, you're looking at one aspect, but you're getting the entire history. Right. And the life and times, of a, a lot of times, the culture, times so. are just as important. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, it's, um, it's a fascinating book. I'm really All excited right, to dig Patrick, in. and we're going to talk about and then, Parker. Ironically um, and wonderfully connected is uh, Bridget Fertile, who is the dis- master distiller, proprietress, founder, rum runner extraordinaire uh, of Oni's Rum, which is made right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. A woman who makes rum. And, and <laughs> yes. Iran, she'll tell us the story, um, but the naming of her rum is actually directly connected to the Algonquin Roundtable. So what a coinkydink. Yeah. So Welcome, I'm Bridget. Happy to be here. I'm assuming it's only uh, Matt. Yes, sir. All right. So tell us about your life in crime, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, we're on the radio. I'm not supposed to admit those things, right? <laughs> uh, we were talking before, too. I mean, distilling rum. I mean, I, you know, I don't know that it's uh, really a gig for women traditionally. I think you're kind of breaking the, the glass ceiling or somehow or some way, right? Yeah, I think that we're actually, I think, the world's first only all-female distillery. Um, someone might be able to correct me on that, um, but I haven't come across another one. And that just was happenstance. Uh, it was the talent available at the time, and we actually have four four females running this running. This Where place. did you learn how to uh, run your still? <laughs> uh, self-taught. Um, and so I spent about a year and a half to two years reading everything I could under the sun about fermentation science and distillation. And I visited a bunch of distilleries. Yeah, don't be shy, Kevin. Just have some rum. Yeah, there you go. Come on. <laughs> Lizzie, have you tried the rum yet? Oh, I, I have. Liz is giving uh, me a thumbs up. Yeah, you've got. I d- double thumbs up. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I drink it. I bake with it. I ba- baptize people with it. It's, it's a great. <laughs> I love to hear that. It's a great. And I was not... A rum drinker I, I, before I started baking, like just in general, but more and more, I'm really thank you, Bridget, for uh, allowing me to appreciate my day. Well, rum, the molasses rum, rum, spirit. Rum is great. It uh, is. I mean, it can it can be really great. I mean, I don't know um, culturally cocktails. You know, rum and coke. I mean, it's kind of you know an abusive you know way to beat up on bad mm-hmm. rum, mm-hmm. right? Um, I do like dark rums. I love dark and stormies. Um, and some of these favorite. Uh, and now, of course, we can get Cuban rum. We're about to get Cuban yeah. rum, which is nice. Well, rum was actually America's first spirit. First spirit we distilled in this country. So important to our history throughout the history of the U.S. and drinking. And it's also kind of, wasn't it kind of a part of like the evil, uh, you know, part of the slave it's, trade? It started as the slave trade, but then it became, took off so rapidly here in, the, in colonial America that... Um, the molasses tax of 1764 actually drove the country into revolution because it made rum, rum distilling unprofitable. 
This, this country does fight for its booze. The Whiskey yeah. Rebellion. Yeah, it does. Exactly. That's well. right. I thought bourbon also was one of the first things that we still uh, just because there was corn here. There's just after, so much corn. Well, yeah, after the revolution, people started moving west and growing grains, and they figured out they could make whiskey from their grains. And so, stupid bourbon. pilgrims, what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah just still <laughs> make this into booze. Yeah. No more roasted corn. We're going to mash our corn. But uh, well, like well made rum. And I've had some rum that's been like, you know, so fine. It's like almost like cognac in quality and intensity, mm-hmm. and, you know, just like, like a real nose to it, and the whole experience. Is not you know the Bacardi experience like we all grew up right. in you know with you know in high mm-hmm. school which yeah. generally didn't really end too well yeah, yeah. <laughs> spring break <laughs> so, so tell us tell us about this rum I'm going to try some too yeah please do so uh, Oni's is a rum that's uh, made from only three ingredients good old New York City filtered tap water I think it's the best in the world yes, and it, uh, it makes great uh, pizza bagels and. Uh, seemingly rum. <laughs> it's just so true, and I always say, and this is why you cannot make a bagel anywhere else. Yeah. It's partly because we're at sea level, but it has to do with the water. Yeah, and uh, the second ingredient is an all-natural, uh, non-GMO, uh, high-grade molasses that comes from independent sugarcane farmers in Florida and Louisiana. So it's a hundred percent USA-made product, and a proprietary yeast. And the whole vision behind the actual liquid was to not rely on any sugars, preservatives, flavorings, colorings, additives, or a barrel to give it its depth and complexity. So we use the best. Ingredients and the best technique to lead to something smoky, earthy. Uh, got some banana notes on there as well. Oh, I'd like actually, I could, I could, <laughs> I'd like to set this so on it's fire like a fruit. So, really, it's healthy, is what you're telling me with the banana potassium. I think so. You should drink it after a long run. Oh, right? man. Okay, okay, got I it. Think so. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I'm going down the rum hole right now. I this love is it. delicious. So this is delicious. Good. It would be a crime to. Um, Make this into a cocktail and dilute it with anything. But if you were yes. to commit that crime, what would you suggest? Um, I always go. My go-to is a classic daiquiri. A daiquiri. The daiquiri has been one of you know one of the original cocktails, and most people think it comes from a blender and a box of high fructose corn syrup. Mm, when and a, strawberries. When a, yeah, when a real classic daiquiri is, we we like two shots of onis, a shot of fresh or. Sorry, two ounces of Oni's, uh, an ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, and three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. Shake it up, serve it up, lime wheel garnish, and you really a, can't beat it's it. It's a gorgeous cocktail, and it pairs, pairs beautifully with the light and stormy cookie. Yes, which we just discussed. Which means yes. a light and stormy. I is, mean, this a spirit, do, is this a spirited it original? It is a spirited original. We, do, uh, we started with the dark and stormy, obviously the play on the classic cocktail using Gosling's rum. Um, but at Spirited, we do have a passion for the local distillers, and we really like to support our fellow uh, Brooklyn entrepreneurs and the minute I put the light rum as opposed to that dark sweet uh, rum in there it completely changed the flavor of the cookie not for the better or for the worse but you now have two different cookies with the exact same recipe just Save one ingredient. Well, this is, this is so, which delicious. is awesome, and it pairs beautifully with the daiquiri because you got all that really bright lime and that crisp, crisp, bright, delicious rum against the the, the ginger. I could, I could drink this neat, or even on the rocks, maybe maybe um, like like a twist. You know, not yeah. not not a lot of lime because I don't overpower it, but yeah. maybe just to brighten it up a little bit. This this is, this is good stuff. Yeah, it's great. This is good stuff. And you know, if I someone said, "Oh, we're you know the the, the female distiller, the rum runner," I'm, I was thinking like Ma Barker. I guess you know, I was thinking <laughs> Shelley Winter and Bloody Mama. You know. Prohibition, you know, just like running, running, you know, with your sons, you know, their shotguns, and not the blonde supermodel you see. Please, Um, and you you, um, distill stuff right, right down the street. Yeah, yeah, right on Meadow Street between Bogart and Waterbury and Uh, East Williamsburg Bushwick border. 
And that's good. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Right yeah. here in our backyard, this room's yeah. coming from. Yeah, look at that. Well, hyper-local. We are, we are yeah. talking about New York history today, and uh, booze plays a big part in this uh, chapter of history, right, Captain Fitzpatrick? It does. It does indeed. <laughs> um, well, you wrote a book about the most celebrated ongoing cocktail party of all time. The Algonquin Roundtable. For, for these kids out there who don't know what the Algonquin Roundtable is, because, you know, I'm, right now I'm amazed when anybody knows anything, I'm impressed, okay, just because, wait, okay, and seriously, because, you know, anybody who grew up in this post internet age and they mistake information with knowledge and they don't really care because they can get it on their phones or whatever the fuck. And, right, we can just and, Google it. And they, right, we can Google it. And they, they're not steeped in, like, you know, the legend of Dorothy Parker and eventually in the round table, nor, you know, with the unwashed hipster masses find their way up to a hotel bar in Midtown to try to channel that vibe. Mm-hmm. Which, so is what, a, which is a shame because it is really, truly one of the great cocktail bars in New York still to this day. In fact, I, every time I go to the Algonquin, I get waited on... Oh, and now I'm going to forget his name because I haven't been there in a while, which is embarrassing. But I have been served by the same it's the best. waiter at the Algonquin, and I've been, I've been living in New York for 15 years, and the exact same man. Is it he Chuck? Comes, is it Chuck? I, honestly, I can't remember. I feel like his name starts with a J. Um, but he's a lovely gentleman, and he, even if he doesn't remember me, he always appears to remember me. And that's one of the things that I certainly take with me in the service industry, that it's not just about the drink. It's not just about the food. It's about the way you're treated and the experience and the decadence. And there are so few bars that have just the history that the Algonquin has. And, and none of them have a cat. I mean, none of them. Mike, do you want the short version, the radio version of the roundtable? Give me the radio version. So this is the fastest half hour on the internet. Sure. So, so in June 1919, when Alexander Wolcott <laughs> came back from World War I, he was the drama critic of the Times, and two publicists wanted to get their new show, which is by O'Neill, into the paper. So they took him to the roundtable, to the Algonquin, I should say, to try and get him, you know, to wheedle into the paper. It didn't work out, but they came up with the idea of having a welcome back to New York luncheon or roast, and who they invited were the cream of the crop of New York writers, editors, columnists, and publicists. And that group that was invited became the Algonquin Roundtable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. You were right about that. Okay. Okay. I'll take Dorothy Parker for uh, 80. Yeah. Um, so she's obviously the face of, of the Algonquin Roundtable. That's sure. We know her. Um, we know her as, as a very uh, quippy uh, poet, but also a short story writer and uh, a, a critic. Um, she joined Vanity Fair, um, you know, when she was 24. She was the first female drama critic. She was, you know, from the Upper West Side. You know, she was joined by Robert Benchley, Harvard in 1912. Robert E. Sherwood went on to win four Pulitzer Prizes. I mean, they're just the core group, but there was 30 members of the roundtable, and each one of them was unique and interesting. That's one pretty rarefied mm-hmm. air, though. You know, the people that, that you mentioned were all successful. I mean, there were no bums there. The odd thing was this all happened um, during Prohibition years. Mm-hmm. That's right. There was actually no drinking in the Algonquin. <laughs> oh, irony. Oh, oh irony. <laughs> Frank Case, the owner, took the bar out even two years before Prohibition, so there was no drinking from about 1917 to 1930. And when you say no drinking, you mean everybody was drinking like crazy. Well, I mean, if you brought in a flask, what are they going to do? But they didn't, they didn't have a bar there. <laughs> uh, but, but, um, but, again, it's celebrated as a, uh, well, a mutual appreciation society, but a drinking uh, society as well. And some famous cocktails, I think, came out of that scene, too. The Jack Rose, right, was probably pretty popular. Jack Rose, um, a lot of the mixed what, drinks. What's in a Jack Rose? Oh, oh why is everybody looking at me? Oh, oh. I deconstruct cocktails. I don't build them. Mm-mm. 
Uh, we should uh, next time have a. We should get Rosie back. You will get Rosie. <laughs> Rosie, um, help us out. The show is getting boozier and boozier every week, Wait, which, which is hard. To, which is hard to fucking imagine because this has been like you know 150 shows later. I mean, this is my version of the round table. This is my clubhouse. And, I like and it. it, and it's getting you know. <laughs> I like it. Well, it's a, it's a rectangular table. Well, it's radio. Um, it can be whatever we want it to be. Kim. That's right. Oh, excuse me. It's a pear-shaped table, um, molded. Where we all get drunk Mine's naked, and any second when we come back from this break, we'll all be absolutely. Pouring this olive oil on each other. Just guy, This guy with the beard and the ski cap and his porridge. This is what, by the way, Bridget, what we call the awkward date table. And this is, for 150 shows, the gift that keeps on giving. We have seen more brunches of shame, but also people in love, but also extremely awkward, like okay, Cupid dates and... You know, there's a lot. This, this table does not disappoint. Provides great content. You know, you sort of like wonder, you know, who got what they wanted the night before, and uh, we, we've seen tears. We've Mike, seen... you should tell. I mean, I have Dorothy Parker fans listening right now all over the world because I've oh, been picking right. it up. So you need to tell them where we are and what we're doing. Uh, all right. For the Dorothy Parker fans out there all over the world. Okay. Good, good evening, table? ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, <laughs> and all the ships at sea. Um, Walter Winchell ever make it over to the Algonquin? He was a little bit later. They hated him. They hated they him. They hated him. Yeah. He was not their friend. Motherfucking Walter Winchell. Well, man. No, 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 Walter. When I got Dorothy Parker's FBI file from a from the government, he was ratting her out to Jagger Hoover. So there's letters from Winchell to Hoover. That scumbag Walter yeah. Winchell. So Fuck see, him. she has a reason to be bitter. <laughs> see, people always people always credit her with. Well, I mean, I imagine she was a pretty unhappy woman, just in general. But funny, no, funnily sure. unhappy. But yeah, Winchell was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy Parker unhappy? Maybe. A little. A little? A bit. <laughs> a lot? So tell these a guys bit. they're listening. Yes, I mean, so where right, are so we? All right, so we are, we are here at the Heritage Radio Network, which uh, um, founded by um, my friend and co-author, Patrick Martins. Uh, we wrote a book together last year called The Carnivore's Manifesto. Um, he started here at the back of Roberta's restaurant here in Bushwick at the uh, often called the epicenter of hip here in Bushwick. But I'll tell you what, these are the kind of hipsters I can dig because they're uh, hardworking and smart and... Um, like good food. Like, like good money. drink. Like good food. And uh, we are in two reconstructed shipping containers. Everything here has been repurposed and rescued. Uh, it's a very groovy site. It's become our clubhouse. It's a pretty awesome studio. Um, we have Liz in the booth and outside this big bay window we can watch everybody munching up pizzas. The pizzas will be here any second. But before we get there, oh, Liz is making the sign. It's sort of like coming in hot. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to play uh, a little bit of a Marx Brothers routine. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Marx Brothers. We're going to talk about the round table. We're going to talk to Bridget about rum. Can I play Harpo? Uh, you can play Har- Harpo. No, no, wait. This radio. That doesn't play. No. Harpo was the smart no. one. Harpo no. whistled on the radio. No, but, uh, but uh, when we come back, Kimberly is going to sing for us, right? And yep. uh, you're listening to Arts and Seizures on the Heritage Radio Network live in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Hey, Barra Valley. What do you want? Watch the door for a few minutes. And don't let anyone in without the password. All right, what is it? Swordfish is the password. Do you understand? Okay, I got it. Well, what is it? Password. Swordfish! Swordfish! Right, the swordfish. The swordfish. We uh, had some muscles in the room full of faccia dozy fats. Who are you? I'm fine, thanks. Who are you? I'm fine, too, but you can't come in unless you give the password. Oh, what is the password? Oh, no, you got to tell me. Hey, I tell what I do. I give you three guesses. It's the name of a fish. Is it Mary? Ha <laughs> ha! That's an old fish. She isn't. Well, she drinks like one. Let me see. Is it Sturgeon? Hey, you're crazy. Sturgeon, he's a doctor. Cuts you open when you're sick. Now, I give you one more chance. I got it. Haddock. That's a funny. I got a haddock, too. What do you take for a haddock? Well, now, sometimes I take aspirin, or sometimes I take a calomel. Say, I'd walk a mile for a calomel. 
You mean chocolate caramel. I like that too, but you know, guess it. Hey, what's the matter? You don't understand English? You can't come in here unless you say swordfish. Now, I'll give you one more guess. Swordfish? Swordfish. I think I got it. Is it swordfish? <laughs> That's it. You guess it. Pretty good, huh? Uh, fine. You guess it. Or... What do you want? I want to come in. What's the password? Oh, you're no fool of me. <laughs> swordfish. No, I got tired of that. I changed it. What's the password now? See, I forgot it. I better come outside with you. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, what's up? This is John Norris, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. And we're back on Arts and Seizures. Mike Edison here with special guest co-host with the most. Kimberly, Kimberly Weatherall. Kimberly Weatherall. It's awesome. Welcome and uh, if only this were TV. Um, <laughs> we have a very, very good looking, and now completely naked, uh, <laughs> crew That's here today. That's what happens when you bring Oni's rum to a party. And, um. and when it's, it's getting nuts here. Um, but before we go any further, please remember we are member-supported here at Heritage Radio uh, Network, so please click on the Be a Member Donate button on your web screen if you're listening to the web. And I'll tell you what, if you are the next person to become a member of Heritage Radio, we have a copy of Kevin's book for you uh, about the Algonquin Roundtable. What's the exact title? Yes, really? the Algonquin Roundtable New York, which is a historical guide. Um, so yeah, so the, free, the, the first person to respond gets That's right. to well, end we'll join. Put, we'll put this right at the top of the queue, and you also get like some amazingly cool tote bag, which is always say much better than you anything can carry those the slackers at NPR give you. Bag. There you go. You've got it all. You've got it all. You've got so it all. join HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Uh, become a member. Oh, and, you're, doing, uh, you're doing good. Oh, well, thank you're, you very you're, much. You're going to be invited thank back. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, oh and, I, and, well, I, like, and I see right now the phones are ringing <laughs> and the big thermometer we have that like measures how much money we're getting is going through the roof. It's like Jerry Lewis is out, Kimberly is in. That okay. is right. Um, so, Kevin, can you tell us what... What does it take to, to write a book, a book about the Algonquin Roundtable? Round well, I, I started because I was doing a walking tour. And okay. the walking tour was taking people to all the places associated with the Roundtable. Mm-hmm. And what was really fun was what I like about literary landmarks and um, walking tours is taking people to the places of authors that they really like. So the book has the speakeasies they went to, the Broadway theaters where their shows were produced, mm-hmm. um, places associated with the New Yorker, where the New Yorker you know, started. Um, because what a lot of people don't know about the Roundtable is without them, there might not even be a New Yorker magazine because Harold Ross and Jane Grant, who started the magazine, they used their associations they met at the Algonquin Hotel to get the Roundtable off the ground in 1925. So we go to the, you know, the places in the book are associated with um, all the places of their life, all their houses and apartments and jobs and where they were born and went to school and um, it's over 150 locations uh, tied to their lives. Wow. Well, we're here in Brooklyn today and... Um Quick plug for Thursday night at Spirited, we are doing the Brooklyn book launch of this book. Um, so what are the ties to Brooklyn from the roundtable? Who, who was the Bridge and Tunnel crowd back then? Well, Haywood, <laughs> Haywood, Brune, um, Haywood Brune, one of my favorite people, was a columnist. He was born on Pineapple Street in Brooklyn Heights. Oh, wow. Uh, Peggy Wood, an Oscar-nominated um, actress who was on Broadway for 60 years. Um, she was born in Bed-Stuy and grew up in Prospect Park. Oh, wow. Um, that's really close to Spirited, so that's very we're, we're really ba- basically in the backyard. Um, and Herman Mankiewicz, before he wrote Citizen Kane, he and his wife lived in Gravesend, 
Um, so yeah. um, many of them, you know, worked for the Brooklyn Eagle and came back and forth. Um, you know, very strong ties to Brooklyn. The hipsters of the day. Yes. As it were. <laughs> I'll tell you one reason we played uh, the Marx Brothers at the break, aside that it was a speakeasy scene, um, is I, what I learned from your book. And you know, Harpo um, at least was a regular at the Algonquin. And as I didn't know that there's a Marx Brothers playground <laughs> named after them. And all I, all I can think of, though, is I'm going to go there and it's going to be like people doing shtick. It's going to be people singing Captain Spaulding, like little kids, <laughs> you know, reenacting like, you know, animal crackers. Right. Oh, that would be amazing. Well, you know, yeah. I would definitely I would go to that place. Well, you know, the Marx Brothers grew up in Yorkville. They're from the German-Jewish section of the Upper East Side. And they'd been a, an act for many years before they really hit it big in 1924 um, with I'll Say She Is. And part of it in their success is tied into the roundtable because Alexander Wolcott took the roundtable to see them and said, you've got to see these brothers. They're my favorite guys on Broadway right now. And that's how they met George S. Kaufman, who wrote some of their biggest hits like Animal Crackers. Can you, can you sing a little bit of Captain Spaulding for us? Go ahead, I, Kevin. Go ahead. I should have brought my friend Noah Diamond because he is a dead-on Groucho. He could have done a great job. I've got to tell you one thing that I'm really thrilled about today is, um, if you don't mind me saying so, is I, I'm so... I think we're just like shattering these traditional gender things we've got. A, a, a former Marine is the president of the Dorothy Parker Society, and a, and, a, and a beautiful woman is like a rum runner distiller. I love it. Um, it it's fantastic. That's right. Arts Welcome and she's shattering, shattering expectations for 150 shows. That's there you right. Go. Well, once again, I'm, pour them in, take some more of this rum. Liz, do you have enough rum back there in the booth? This is like practically under the control board. This is great stuff. <laughs> under the table, one. Uh, I want to ask you guys. Uh, yeah. well, both Bridget and, 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 yeah. and Kim, I am uh, obsessed with like um, lighting things on fire. <laughs> 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 uh, because, but, I, but, I, but, I, but basically, I mean flambe desserts. It's like it's like a thing, you know. Uh, yes, they because are. I find it's a ver- it's a it's a it's a good trick. People seem to like it when you set the dessert People on fire. People do like it, and we have an open fire permit. It's ironic <laughs> that we don't <laughs> yet have a flambe it's, dessert. You and I are going to talk, okay? Okay. I've been, been concocting things and you know pothead pyromaniac that I am. I am. Okay. People also like it when you set your drink when they set the drink gets set on fire. The drink gets set on fire. Tiki culture. Yeah. So you wouldn't be offended if I set this rum on fire. Absolutely not. I don't think it would set on fire. Unfortunately, it's not high enough proof. But uh, well, well, uh, but well, what I do is I got to I, I have to heat it up first. I wouldn't yeah. light on fire at room temperature. But if I used my you know. Uh, Espresso machine, my cappuccino machine, and steam heat it and got it to a nice hot temperature, yeah, or put go. it in a pan. And you do this often, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did admit that too. he likes to set uh, things on fire. Well, you know, you learned the first time I made steak off of it all was like, was a pillar of fire worthy of Charlton Heston as Moses. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I really wasn't expecting it, but I played it, played it cool for, you know, you know, the woman I was cooking for. Oh, yeah, this is cool. That's what I expected. <laughs> I somehow managed not to set my apartment on fire. But since then, I've entered the world of, like, Bananas Foster. And I think, mm. you know, which calls for cognac, but I think rum, this rum would be fantastic. Uh, yes. Or oh, Cherry's yes. Jubilee. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But I think, you're talking about bananas, and all I could think of was, like, I'm setting this rum on fire, and I'm pouring it over some bananas and soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You absolutely yeah. have to do yeah. that. Um, we've made a Bananas Foster's pie, a Bananas Foster pie. Uh, so it's got, it's got this beautiful custard and then the caramelized bananas on top. It's just soaking in rum. It's just uh, mm, pretty amazing. That's right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. You say I'm a pyromaniac, but I'm just caramelizing the banana. That's right. You're caramelizing <laughs> That's right. So, so Kevin, um, if I went up to the Algonquin uh, this afternoon, what would, I, what would I find there? What vestiges of the past still exist? Well, there is the round table room. Um, there is a table in the spot where the round table used to be. There's a you know, um, right now there's actually an Al Hirschfeld exhibit um, of about 25 of his pieces on the wall to the end of the month. Um, and there's the blue bar. And do you know the story behind the blue bar? Uh, this is the story about actors always look good in blue light, I believe. Yes. Which um, I know I do. I look very good in blue light. <laughs> well, John Barrymore, 
John Barrymore, Drew Barrymore's grandfather, was a longtime resident of the hotel. And when the bar came back after Prohibition, he said to Frank Case, the owner, actors like the blue light. It's the light that makes you look really good, and it's what you always want to soliloquy. So they put blue gels in the light. And to this day, the bar has blue lights in the, in the bar. And the cat, the Algonquin mm. cat? Matilda. There's been a cat on the premises since 1930. And but not the same cat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Males are called Hamlet and females are Matilda. And there's currently a Matilda. And she just got a new house on the front desk. And so she has free reign of the hotel. She has a house on the front desk. She has her own Instagram and Twitter fancy. and fans come like, around. No, I'm going to follow her. Tw- I'm going to follow that Gonk yeah. and Cat. I am and right she now. Has a, yeah. She has a birthday party every August that is like the thing to do. It's the cat's meow. They raise money for animal charities and do uh, adoptions for the Can, Do you think she'd be a guest Ooh. on our show? Sure. The, the cat That's is awesome. the cat has its own publicist. Oh, this, oh I, I, I need, I need that number. <laughs> Matilda okay. and Grumpy Cat, I, I, presumably Ooh. not Walter Winchell. Um, but I need yeah. I need the number of Matilda's publicist. Grumpy Cat, right. fuck Grumpy we'll Cat. Matilda's in. Matilda's in. She's a sweetheart. She's a real sweetheart. Um, <laughs> completely off the subject. I just this, I came late to this, but I just found out about Betty and Veronica, the new bears in Central Park. You know what? You, no. You, 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 you yes. say, how did I, I know this? Because I, you know, I was such a fan of Gus and Ida, and then we lost Ida, and then yeah. Gus died. Gus, you, know, yeah. you know, Gus was like talking about New York City history. Um, I mean, he was famous for being the you know the, the bear that had his own shrink. Psychiatrist. It's like yeah. everybody in New York has a shrink, including the polar bear. Well, he swam back and forth. Part of New York history. Yeah. I have yeah. no yeah. idea. Yeah. About. When, I, mean, I, I just cried and cried and cried when uh, we lost Gus. But yeah. apparently, they have two brown bears, orphans rescued uh, from I think Montana. Uh, the brown bears, um, uh, Betty and Veronica. Aww. So I'm looking forward to go visit Betty and Veronica uh, this sweet. week. Um, and I, I guess maybe I should get, try to get them on the show. <laughs> but, um, arts and seizures, say? for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Two brown bears in the studio, more, I don't know. That would be more seizures than arts. More seizures than arts, absolutely. Well, I'm digging this rum the most. Tell us, uh, where, where can we find this rum? Uh, so we're in about 300 places throughout New York City. Uh, if you go to onis.com, you can find a store locator and a retail place. Obviously, we are prominently featured at Spirited. Uh, yeah, we uh, bakery Speakeasy, and we're in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Washington, D.C., and California. I, I got to tell you, this, this is fantastic stuff, because I'm a bourbon drinker, and I, I, I've, time to time I do drink rum, and people have turned me on. My friend uh, Jean-Luc uh, Ledoux, Ledoux's Wines, um, plug for my buddy, but mm-hmm. uh, every year I play a Christmas gig over there, or Thanksgiving wine tasting before Christmas gig, um, and he pays me in spirits. That's awesome. And one year he so gave me a bottle well of rum, paid. and he was like, no, he's like, you know, whatever you thought about rum is about to change. And it was this very, very high-end still rum, and man, it really changed my mind about yeah. um, drinking it neat. Um, you know, in, in yeah. little, as an after-dinner drink, as an aperitif, e- either way, yeah. um, or as just a cocktail, yeah. just a, or an eye-opener. <laughs> there you go. I could, I could drink this for breakfast. We're drinking it today. Or set it on yeah. fire and pour it on some bananas. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. As ever, it's been the fastest half hour on the internet today. But before we go, um, tell us, Kevin, where we can find your book and where we can find you. Um, you can find the book. Um, go to IndieBound, and you can put in your zip code, and it'll tell you the closest independent bookstore to your house. And uh, here at Arts and Seizure, we do encourage people to support their support independent bookstores. Shop local. Um, I saw it yesterday at the Corner Bookstore on 93rd and Madison. So I'm I know sure they have it's a green stock. light. But if, but, but if not, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. bet we can push, push a button and get it to your house real quick yes. on Amazon. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. For those of us who don't venture out in the rain. I just want, don't want to step in the poodles. <laughs> or, you know, if you come to Spirited on Thursday night, which is at 638 Bergen Street in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, uh, you can meet Kevin himself and hear him read from the book. And there's some poetry going to happen. And you can buy a book and you can buy a cocktail. We're going to make a special cocktail with Oni's rum uh, and Love dedicate it. it to Oni Madden. Uh, you might have to be jailed <laughs> uh, in order to drink it, but we're going to do it. Well, it's good stuff. Spirited is the grooviest. This rum is the most awesomest. Uh, 
Kevin's book is absolutely fantastic. And thanks to everyone who came out today in Bushwick to beat, beat this bad weather. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for having me. We're going we're 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 to eat this pizza. Yeah, we're going to drink thanks. some rum. Thanks to Liz in the booth and everyone out there in Radio Land. We'll see you next week at Art Census Seizures. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.